Launch is just day one. There's a lot more coming after that, right? I keep telling founders, don't worry about launch stage that much. Think about the entire journey. But if we do have to do a launch, the first thing that I would do is look at the customer data that we have. Who are the customers that we, whom we think make the best segment and cohort that would really go after this product and really niche down on that. Hey guys, what's up? My name is Ashish and I'm your host for the D2C Drive podcast where I talk to founders, investors, marketers, CROs and agencies who have been scaling D2C brands from the last decade, learn from their experiences, learn what kind of strategies and frameworks that they've been using to scale some D2C brands and also dwell into what are the things which we need to look at in the coming decade because the D2C landscape is growing like hellfire all across the globe. Let's go on a D2C drive today with Lenold Vaz. Grows and pretty much like scales SaaS and D2C brands. He also is the founder of BN Deck, which is India's largest marketplace for everything coffee. Welcome, Lenold. Thanks, Ashish. Thanks for having me here, man. I'm really excited to chat with you. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm good, man. All good over here. How's it going with you? Pretty awesome. Lenil, why don't you give the listeners a bit background on what you've been doing from the last decade? What have you been up to? How did D2C come on to you? We hear that you're the growth and product specialist and also the MVP specialist. So let's start right. with the MVP on, you know, how did that come through? Yeah, man, thanks. It's a, it's a weird story in which like, I don't have a definitive way and how I got into D2C, but let me give you a quick background of the past like 10, 12, or more than 12 years now, I've been in technology marketing, you know, like working on various products, started off with things like accounting softwares, like Tally was actually my first job. And everyone in India knows that. But other than that, moving on from there, I started working in a lot of startups, started working for in the domain name industry, which was completely global, learned a lot from there. While at the same time, I was super interested in startups in e-commerce and especially with the domain name business i started getting into e-commerce because we were selling domain names also about two three years back just before the pandemic actually i decided hey it's time to dip my hands into building something of my own and i decided let's go out i was obsessed with coffee so i decided let's go out and build a marketplace for coffee because i couldn't find the coffees that i was looking for and that's that's how bean that came about and Bean Deck is like, yeah, it's it's a marketplace for coffee. Anyone who loves coffee should definitely go check it out. We have 500 plus coffees listed from the best roasters in the country. But apart from that, what I really realized was I love this business. And at the same time as when I was building my own business, I was also helping a couple of other, couple of other founders, a couple of other guys build out and test out ideas that they had, where I really realized this is how you actually build an MVP. I've done it a hundred times before in a business, but I never really called it that, right? So this is how you build an MVP. This is how you push, take it to market. And I really started enjoying the direct-to-consumer route. Start consulting a couple more bigger names in direct-to-consumer from India to the States to a couple in Europe, stuff like that. So I got my hands dirty all around. And I realized very soon that I love the journey of taking an idea and actually taking it to market. What is that first phase? How do you build that MVP? I absolutely love that piece. And then 
from that one to 10, how do you grow that? So yeah, that's like a quick run through of what, what all I do and how awesome. I'm trying to. Yeah, I, I checked out your store as well, the marketplace. So really amazing design. It shows a lot into who you are and the kind of products you're building and the experience was amazing. I mean, when I saw that website, I am like, this guy is someone who shows what he talks. So let's go back to the zero to one journey. So any entrepreneur right now in the D2C space, if he has to start, let's say building a small store with some good experience, with some connect to consumers, and also showcasing a great experience for people. What are the tools? How do they go about it? How do they go f- building the MVP? I'm going to let you in on the secret sauce over here. Like that's what I do. But basically, how I think about building an MVP and how I think about starting a new business is you have to understand some key things. And the first thing is, why are you doing this? We all are doing it for the money. Let's keep that aside. We want to build, we want to get make money, but that can't be the real why. Why are you doing this? Why are you building this specific product? Why will someone want it? What is the customer need? You have to really understand that. So I think that's the first and foremost thing to nail down. And that's where basically your brand strategy, your brand messaging comes from. The second is, what am I doing with that? Okay, I know the why. I want to, I want to solve problems for people who are overweight. Cool. Uh, that's, a, that's the problem. But what, how do you want to go about solving that? So you find the product. Then you actually go about building that product into a website, which most probably will be on Shopify, WooCommerce, BigCommerce, any of these. You would see most of them on Shopify, but there are tons of others. And then comes to the part which somehow a lot of people forget about, which is the data and marketing and go-to-market. They're like, okay, if I've got a product and I build a website, that's good. But no, that's, that's just like the start of it. And that's where we really help out a lot of founders to understand, you know, you've got this. This is how you take it to market. This is the kind of data that you look for. So yeah, think about your why, the what, how. And that's that's pretty much how you should look about building and taking a new product to market. So when entrepreneurs come across to your door, what kind of questions you ask them? What kind of questions are thrown at you? Sure. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a good way to ask me that. I think the questions that usually I would ask a founder is, again, the same thing, right? Like, why, why do you want to do this? Is there a personal motivation behind it? Have you discovered some pain point? that you really want to solve in yourself or with others that you've seen? Where does this pain point really originate? And what motivates you to actually build this? That will help me understand who the customer is. Is it is the founder the customer himself? Because quite often that is the case. Or is it a whole new set of customers? So that's the first thing. The second piece that we really get into after we've understood why and what is the product and stuff is the business model. Pricing, competitors, how do you do this? That's the questions that founders quite often ask me is like, how do I go about doing this? Okay, I've got a product. Should I price it at $5 or $10 or $20? Or if it's in India, it's like 200 rupees or 500 rupees. What do I do? How do I go about doing this? And that's that's a whole new piece that we need to think about. I think when most people, when they're going to college and stuff, have been taught about, you know, cost plus pricing, value-based pricing, but we've never really experienced putting that into practice, right? Yep. So, 
So we we actually, this is one of the questions where founders usually ask me, how do we go about pricing? And the various ways, but we will then break it down into where we're competing, who is the customer. It again, all flows into the same why and what. So that's the next question. The third question very often is, how do I go about putting this out there, right? Like, do I build a Shopify website? Do I just put it out on Amazon? Do I, and I mean, for D2C is primarily Shopify, but we see a lot mm-hmm. of WooCommerce. Should I just do, should I just start off with Facebook Marketplace? That's what we get here in North America. Like, should I just put up something on Facebook Marketplace? Those are questions that we get asked quite often. And again, various ways to go about it. But having your own property with the Shopify website or WooCommerce website is absolutely critical if you really want to grow and scale. But yeah. for a quick MVP, yeah, you can try other things for sure. Awesome. You're a product guy, so let me go on to asking a product question here. What are the features that you think a good D2C store, when they're going out there, two initial set of customers should really have to define a great experience, right? You can answer also from feature-wise, you can also from answer from an experience point of view of how consumers like you know interacting with D2C products. No, absolutely. That's a great question. And I think the way you've put it, whether it's a feature or an experience, I think I think of them as one whole thing because you're, if you're building a feature for a feature, just don't build it. If you're building it to enhance the experience, then let's talk about it, right? So from an experience point of view, from the products or from, say, for example, a Shopify website, I would definitely think about how can you enhance a customer's experience based on knowing some data about them? Are they a new customer? Are they a repeat customer? Do you have insights into what kind of products they like? And can you personalize that experience based on that in some way? I know that this guy has bought, say, for example, they've bought a protein shake with, say, for example, in it, which helps with weight loss. So can I show him a little bit more, some more products which are based on weight loss or health and stuff like that? Can I do that? Can I really personalize the experience? So I think the number one feature for a, for a website, apart from the normal e-commerce flows, is the personalization that you can build on top of that based on real data of, of the customer. I think all the other features that you're talking about fit into this bucket itself because personalization can be done in so many different ways at so many different touch points. Mm-hmm. But as a brand new brand, as a brand new D2C website, the first thing that I would look at is, am I able to actually capture that data? Mm-hmm. Because without that, there's no way to personalize. So number one, how do I capture that data? Number two, how do I actually pipe it into a system that I can visualize and segment that data? And number three, how do I use that data to personalize the experience at every touch point? Uh, you don't need to do all of it to start with, but you have to think about this if you want to scale. Amazing. Sounds good. So I've built my D2C store. I've had my initial set of products. I've understood customer data. I'm acquiring people. I'm able to make some money out of it. But but by understanding that data, I got an idea of a new product category, which people are needing right now. Right. So I go ahead and manufacture it. I go ahead and build it. I go ahead and, you know, figure out what should be the new product and all that. 
Now, many of it, many of them don't realize that every new product that they launch in the D2C store needs its own way of launching to consumers, right? So from your experience, why don't you shed some light onto if you have to launch a new product within your DDC store, how should you go about doing it? Sure. There are two approaches to this. And I really love the first approach in which I don't really launch the product, but I, I pretend to launch the product. And if anyone's read the four hour work week or like Tim Ferriss and heard him, he talks about something called the painted door test. And a lot of others talk about this, which is basically, can I show you a fully formed landing page, a fully formed product page, a PDP, get it completely ready, take amazing photos, send traffic to it, see how people will convert on that, right? And then you might not really sell the product, but at least if you can get an ad to cut, you have the rest of the data to figure out how much of that is going to convert, right? Can I drive people to that point and see how it converts before investing in really manufacturing the product? So that that is an approach I love to take, especially with MVPs, because at this point, you don't really want to spend a lot of money. Uh, Another thing that we can do is when, when creating a, pushing out a new product, number one, launches are overrated to find it because launch is just day one. There's a lot more coming after that, right? So, so that's something which I keep telling, I keep telling founders, don't worry about launch state that much. Think about the entire journey. But if we do have to do a launch, the first thing that I would do is look at the customer data that we have. Who are the customers that we, who we think make the best segment and cohort that would really go after this product and really niche down on that. You know, like I'm not talking about, uh, oh, 40% of our customers would like this product. No, what is that 2% or that 5% who you think are the lowest hanging fruit? Find that data first and then create a very targeted campaign, which should be multi-email, depending on your geography, maybe WhatsApp or SMS, at least, and maybe a couple of other marketing channels, paid channels, where you would want to target these customers. Drive it to these very specific customers to see what their conversion is. And my first thing is always, if you're launching a new product, the first couple of weeks should be about getting, is the product good? What do you, what is missing? What's, what's wrong in it? Is the packaging working well, especially for physical products? Super important, right? Is the packaging working well? How's the delivery working? All those, all those pieces. I presume you've done your test, but real world is always different, right? So how, how do you go about gaining this feedback? Do you talk to them directly? Do you email them? Do you get them into a community? Like, how do I go about it? So, so let's take, for example, if you are say Whole Foods. Okay, right. Huge retailer in the States. Or, or actually, let's go back to India and let's look at someone like uh, The Whole Truth, right? Some of the name, but huge D2C brand, right? Completely D2C. If they're launching a new product, I presume they would be getting thousands of orders in, right? Mm-hmm. And very short, in a very short span. I would definitely set up a team, a small task force that is literally calling up customers after we've got the permission, obviously, please take permission, guys. But after we got the permission, calling them up, not immediately after they got the product, maybe a week after, especially for a product like Whole Truth, where one week is more than enough for, for you to test the product and talk to them, literally talk to them, record those sessions, see what you can get from those sessions. So I, I, I firmly believe in actually talking to the customer 
to understand what you can, but there are other ways obviously you can't talk to a thousand customers, right? So having a good mix of quantitative and qualitative data over here would really help. I always believe that qualitative data is where you receive your insights and quantitative data surveys and you know various other forms is where you take those insights, create hypotheses, and then justify them with the data that you can get from quantitative means. So yeah, talk to customers. If you can talk to 50 customers, that's a lot of information that you can gather from there, right? And then send out maybe an email campaign that will run into a quick incentivize them. Always incentivize customers when you're asking them for their time. If you are literally taking time away from them, incentivize them. It's a great way to to improve your loyalty. It's a great way to make them happy. It's a great way to give them something extra and keep them coming back for more and also for them to talk to you. This could be an incentive like, hey, get, get the next order on us. Don't, don't worry about it. It could be discount codes for the whole family. It could be tons of other things, right? Be inventive about this. But definitely, one, talk to your customers. Talk. Two, get a survey in place. Get some kind of feedback in place which will justify whatever you're doing. And three, incentivize the customers every time you do this. Awesome. Thanks. I think that gave some basics of you know understanding how do I go about my launch. And the main crux of that is just talk to your customers and gain feedback. Now, coming to technological aspects of stuff, right? Nowadays, people want to make money while sleeping. Automation has created that impact in everyone's life. And also, when you go out and launch a new products or new categories or anything of those sorts. So you've been working in this segment as well, where you've been helping a lot of products and D2C brands drive automation, all of that. So give us some understanding of what are the kind of work that you've been doing in the automation for D2C brands. Where do you see them lacking, right? On knowledge on or on practicality of things or on execution, where is the current gap in the market? And how are you trying to place yourself there? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think there's a huge gap to be very honest about this. Automation can completely change your lives. And like, so just Beanbag is run completely, completely 100% automated. I'm the only person on it. And we're not a very big brand for sure. But at the same time, I don't really need to look into a lot of things that happen. And considering it's a marketplace, we have shipping from 45 different locations. We have 45 different brands that are using the, the marketplace, tons of different things. There's a lot of automation built in over there. So when we talk about automation, I think most people get stuck and they think automation is just email automation. Building out Clavio flows, which send out abandoned cart email. And when I talk about, about automation to e-commerce founders, that's where their knowledge ends or they they feel that's all that you can do with automation. But that is like five years back, right? There's a, there's a lot more that can be done with automation. Now, pretty much any process which requires you to take data or any information from one segment or one area and move it to another area to perform an action can be automated. That's how I try to explain it to founders, which is if you have a very, very, clear set of instructions saying when so-and-so happens, do this, mm-hmm. right? Or this should happen. That's automation. You can run all sorts of things. So let's take a couple of examples, right? Which we have built out in the past. 
when a customer orders a COD order, places an order via COD, send them, if first check if the customer has placed an order with us before, if they have, has it been delivered? If it has, let the order go through and process it. If they, it hasn't been delivered or they haven't placed an order with us before, send them a WhatsApp message asking them to verify the order. If the verification goes through, put the order in. If not, trigger an alert to the, to the team. Now, that's a, that sounds complicated, but it's half an hour of work to build out, right? Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and the impact, in, impact of that is like huge. Yeah. Impact is huge. The number of COD orders that are fraudulent, that are just RTOs, people just refuse to pick it up. That's a huge, that's a huge, huge deal in DTC in India specifically, right? Like there's a lot of money being wasted over there. You pay for the you pay for the forward shipment, return shipment. You sometimes the the product goes to waste. So just that has some of the brands that we worked with, we've been able to save about I would say three to four lakh rupees per per, per week or uh, just by doing this. And these are obviously much larger brands. See, one is about saving money. Other one is losing your customers and creating that loyalty back again because of this bad Absolutely. experience that you've given them, right? So, Absolutely. So, so this is one one example. Another example, which which might be a little bit tougher to do, but is actually based on the experience of the customer. If you can collect zero-party data, first-party data, and be able to see what the customer is doing on your website, and actually mm-hmm. put those down in a very structured form. I can see that this customer has come to my website five times in the past one week. They've checked out two different products, which are very similar, have the same categories. Can I send them an extremely targeted email, SMS, or something based on that? Or can I show them on the PDP, can I show them other relevant products that others have bought in this segment who have done the same kind of stuff? That's automation. More complex. Yes. Let me stop you right there because I think let's give people more understanding of zero-party data and first-party data because some of these are technical terms, not many D2C entrepreneurs are really aware of this. So how can we simplify talking about zero-party and first-party? Sure. So very simply, let's, let's just call it that any data that you collect on your own, which is owned by you. So for example, if you're coming, if someone reaches your website, the interactions that the customer does on your website, the forms that they fill into your website, no one else owns that. You own that data. That is your data. And we can call this zero party, first party. They want multiple ways of calling that. But that's data that is proprietary to you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no one else owns it. And there's a lot you can do with that data. So any data with interactions on your website, any data with interactions on your email, on your product pages, even a simple thing like how much should they scroll down the page? Which add to cart button did they click on? Those kind of things. How many how many products have they bought in the last six months? All this data can really, really give you a much better picture of who this customer is. And therefore, looking at all that data, then you can personalize very targeted messaging towards them. So yeah, I'm sorry, like yeah, I know first party data, zero party data can get a little confusing. But just think about it as data that you can collect about interactions of the customer with your brand. Yeah. I mean, I've seen even simple brand just play up a nice quiz, you know, when, when you open the D2C store to yeah. understand their consumers more better and collect that zero party data, right? And personalize the campaigns, right? What they send to them further on. Then the customer will feel like, hey, this guy is talking to me, 
right directly exactly. and it creates that more retention towards your store it creates more loyalty towards your products and your mission and you know etc etc right yeah no that's that's a great example actually especially for b2c brands which have a larger product portfolio the customer can get a little bit lost and being able to have these quizzes in place or simple simple questions that you can ask that can direct them to a specific product is super helpful for them and guess what it's not just that one time that you can use that data this person has yeah. told you that they are interested in better management of sleep and have problems with stress and they go and buy x product you know that you already have these data points one month later ask them hey has your sleep improved or how are you feeling are you stressed if not why don't you try this other product and just simply small nudges like that can really help out so this that data no one else has yeah so this is that qualitative data that you can own yourself and yes. all you need to do is validate your problems that one customer is talking to you know majority of customers so that you can start getting ideas on your next products that you know people will need from your store right absolutely uh, what are the tools involved in this you know especially in the d2c space could you highlight some tools that you've been loving and also highlight in terms of what's the state of that tools right now and what what's not there right now you know <laughs> right people out there yeah so I, i think like this is this is the reason why i was really excited to talk to you the first time that we spoke because i found it so difficult to build these tools out like most of the times we've, we've done this for customers we've had to build the stack out ourselves because yeah. most of the tools that we found on the market were lacking in something or the other either they weren't being able to capture all the data or they were way too expensive or they're restrictive in the in the actual database that you use behind it or there's various other or they just don't have good ways to interact with other systems mm-hmm. and this becomes this is such a it's a it's quite a complex system to build out right so we've we've quite often had to build the entire stack ourselves where we're pulling data from shopify we're pulling data from analytics we're pulling data from various other sources blending all that data together to then give you a clear picture of hey this customer is so and so has done this has done all all these things and now you can take action there are multiple tools that claim to do it but i've really not come yeah. across someone who can do all of it really well Uh, yeah i guess i'm looking forward to using moda and uh, figuring out if that's going to work right yeah i mean this is exactly what we're trying to solve here great so coming to you pointed out a lot around how do you go about new product categories we spoke a lot about automation so that means that with this you you'll be able to scale at a po- at some point let's say you'll be able to capture your local market right you'll be able to figure out some sort of like sales coming in retention models coming in through using automation through using great you know custom building some great customer experience and all that end of the scenario right now when you go to investors right they will be like hey i want you to scale across the globe that should be your vision otherwise what am i doing here right otherwise even what are you doing right, right. so even right now right D2C brands, there's not much many D2C brands who are global in nature. You can find a handful of them, right? That means sure. that there's a lot of room for people to go global, and that means that there's going to be a lot of unbundling happening from the ecosystem for the same. So you have helped a brand 
scale globally as well, going to other markets. So can you give us some understandings of, okay, now I, I'm comfortable within my market, but I'm going into this no man's zone. Look, I have no idea of what, what kind of consumer exists, how the life, what are the lifestyles, what kind of, you know, things, what is the rituals, what is their daily routines? You don't understand all of it. So how does one go about, you know, launching a new market? We can also talk about in the aspects of, okay, if I'm building this remotely, how do I go about it? Or if I'm yeah. building offline, how do I go about it? No, yeah, absolutely. This is this is something that I've thought about a lot because, I mean, obviously there's some great brands in India that I want to get to North America. There's some great brands in North America that I want to get back home to India. Mm -hmm. So this, but I've always hit this block saying that when I'm thinking about it, going like, this is going to be super complicated. We have done it in the past. And I'll tell you the, the couple of things that really stood out for me. Number one, assumptions are scary. Just forget your assumptions, leave them aside. Okay, do not, do not think what worked in the last market is going to work in the new market. So leave those assumptions aside. The number one pain point that we see when, we, when we're looking at this is pricing actually, pricing strategy, because what worked in in South, South Asia, India, that kind of pricing model is most probably not going to work in a North America or Europe. So pricing strategy quite often becomes, it becomes an obstacle when, when trying to move into new markets because savvy consumers will actually compare prices across. They'll, they'll figure out, hey, this is a black brand from XYZ country. Let me go check it out over there. So yeah. pricing becomes a, a, a tricky option why? And that's because of multiple reasons. Obviously, way more expensive to run operations in North America. Shipping is really expensive, much more expensive than India. Various other, various other pieces, right, that get into it. Taxation is very different, import costs, all that kind of stuff. So you have to look at all that stuff. But when moving, I would say the first and foremost thing is think about it as a completely new venture and think about it as having... Ha creating a new branch or a new category within your product, what you would normally do is I would set aside some bu budget for this and test it out. You, you're basically building a new MVP for your product in a new yeah. market, right? Yeah. And, and that's the best way to go about it. Don't go down go into it, but definitely don't hold back. Think about pricing. Talk to consumers that you think would be your right audience. You'd be surprised. Quite often, it's not. We've, we've faced this a couple of times. We thought so-and-so segment would be perfect and then had to completely shift over because we just weren't, weren't right over there. Uh, and also, so should you find your lookalike audiences which has worked for you in this market in the other market or not? So, so that's exactly where talking to those customers first makes sense, right? Like first go talk to the people who you think would be your perfect audience. What has worked mm -hmm. in India or worked in some other market you're moving to, I'm going to take India and North America just because I'm comfortable with those two. But yeah. uh, what's worked in India, say, for example, it worked for a certain set of people, find lookalike audiences in North America over there, but talk to them about it. Right. Really, really see if they're interested in that kind of a product or send it out for free if you have to get feedback. So my, my point always has been, number one, talk to your customers, talk to your users, get feedback, and then figure it out. Quite often you'll see that, yeah, this is great, but 
The packaging is does not really speak well to us. What we are used mm. to in a different market is completely different. Though your packaging has is mm. a is something that you will have to keep in mind between mm. any two countries. There are various different concerns over there. So yeah, talk to your customers. Don't assume anything. Just forget all your assumptions and think about it as a completely new MVP. That's that's how I would go about it. I do want to see a lot more brands going global, the DTC brands. I think there's a lot of scope, just as you mentioned, but it is tricky for sure. Why do you say that? It's tricky because of all these concerns, right? Like, I think uh, moving to a completely new market, especially something that's very different from the market that you're used to, mm. the the way that the business would pace over there is going to be very different. And if you're already used to a certain pace and you're already used to certain, certain ways of functioning, that's all going to have to change. So it's very difficult for the same team to actually operate two different entities or that. I've not mm-hmm. seen it very often unless in, until it's a decently large-sized brand. But for a smaller team, it does get a little bit more difficult. When it comes to SaaS, different. Yeah. Do you maybe have some inspirations that you look into on the kind of brands who have gone global and the kind of strategies that deployed? Like what, what inspires you to, you know, think through this process? There's, there aren't too many that come to mind. I do look at a lot of brands which sell globally, but might not have a presence per se, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, very recently, Lenskart has also moved into Dubai and U- UAE. And yeah, they've set up retail uh, operations over there also. They've uh, they've been selling over there. So that's a that's a company which I've been thinking of, like looking at quite quite intently. UAE definitely is has some similarities to the Indian audience, but a lot more, a lot lot of other different segments also. So that's that's one of the companies which I think is doing it pretty well. They've been able to capture that map market, and they spent a lot of time understanding the market before really going there, right? So so. Brands like that really work well. And I've seen a lot of brands moving from Europe to North America, North America to Europe. But when you're going from Asia to anywhere out of Asia, it actually becomes a much more complicated process. Just because the perception of products, the pricing strategies, the volume of sales that you can expect in Asia versus others is very different, right? Awesome. Leonard, you've worked with Indian brands, you're worked with you're working right now with North American brands on you know all of that. So and you have seen yourself transition from the Indian ecosystem to the American ecosystem. And also you must have seen either some similar patterns or differences coming across. So what's been your personal experience around that front? Yeah, sure, man. So I think a couple of things that really stand out is pricing and discounting strategy, customer experience, and packaging in general. These three things, and I'll go into each one of them very, very briefly. So pricing and discounting strategy, I think D2C businesses in India currently are, are spending a lot on their discounting strategy. They, 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 I think the way companies are pushing out products is a lot of discounting, is a lot of promotions, is a lot of sales. If you go on any website these days, you will see a sale going on, any D2C website, uh, right? So I don't see that happening as often in the West. I don't, I see brands leading with a brand approach rather than a discounting approach. 
And there are some, I'm not saying this is a rule because you'll see, like, I think I really like the whole truth, uh, the whole truth brand. They've done a brilliant job with their brand strategy, their brand messaging. You don't see them running sales, right? So, so because they're going a brand-led approach, right? And there are multiple others of that. I don't think Man Matters also runs a lot of promotions. So, so these kind of brands which have a, which have decided we're going to go brand first. I think that the percentage of those brands is a, is lot more in the West, whereas discounting and promotions are a lot lesser. So that's number one. Number two is customer experience. So customer experience is, I would say, much better in India. We take care in, you know, like actually reaching out to the customer. Sometimes it can get a little naggy where we, where a couple of brands will just reach out to you over and over again. But nonetheless, if you reach out to a brand in India, you'll, you'll get a response immediately. They'll take care. They'll talk to you. There's a lot of like human touch points. Whereas in the West, there's a lot of robotech touch points. When I say robotech touch points, I'm basically talking about, you know, chatbots, email automation, stuff like that, which will take care of a lot of the customer support. So that's another thing. And what brands don't understand is these human touch points actually build a lot of loyalty, build a lot of really help with retention, really improve your customer service. That's that's what people talk about. Hey, you know, I I I want I didn't like this product. I wanted to return it. And the guy was so sweet to me that he refunded me. He also suggested a new product. And uh, I've got that. He sent it to me for free. I'm definitely going to buy from them over and over again. That's a customer you've got for life now. Versus me sending a mail saying, I don't like the product and getting an automated response saying, okay, your product has been refunded. Thank you very much. Cool. Like, there's a huge difference over there. And I think the prior one is what we see in India a lot, uh, where they'll suggest, they'll talk to you and really try and understand. So that's, yeah. that's the second piece. So I've seen over time, India is really improving in this. And we're paying a lot of attention to packaging. But if you look at five years back, you didn't really see people investing in packaging, right? You didn't see a lot of brands coming up with innovative ways to present their product. The unboxing experience wasn't that big. I remember the yeah. first time that I that, that I bought my Xiaomi phone, not a Xiaomi phone, the OnePlus phone, sorry. The OnePlus One, when it first came out, long time back, it wasn't something I was used to, like getting a phone which had this beautiful red packaging, and like a matte finish, I was just like, it's not, it's not what I'm used to. And I bought from their website directly because I was like, okay, this brand looks, in, I think that time they were only doing their website. They were doing D2C that time. And it was so exciting to look at that because we weren't used to that at that point. Whereas in the States, it's always been something that people concentrate on. How do we present our product, right? Now India is really catching up. And if you look at the packaging that you that we get in India, it's like, it's amazing. The kind of effort being put into that is beautiful. Yeah. So these are some of the differences I've seen in the brands. There's obviously tons of other, the kind of products, the kind of messaging. One more thing that I'll bring forward is in India, we see a lot of brands that have a large portfolio of products. Mm-hmm. That in the States, we see a lot of single brand, single product brands or a small portfolio of products. And I'm still trying to understand completely why I have some ideas for it, but but I don't like, I'm not too sure about them, but you do see this huge difference that say, for example, Mama Earth, tons of products, but in the States or in Canada, you'll see similar brands which have three products. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something which is, which is very interesting. 
and it might have to my primary reason is number one pricing number two mm-hmm. volume of sales those are the two things that keep you down how do i in india we're like hey we're selling it at a much lower cost we're running a lot more volumes how do i get that person to come back and buy from me even if it's not the same product when the states we're making that incremental margin on every sale so it's fine wow i really loved those insights and i hope our listeners are having a fun time listening to you what's the last piece of advice you want to give to tdc entrepreneurs or marketers hearing you right now i think the first thing that i would want to tell them is always go back to the customer that's what i preach all the time always go back to the customer the customer knows the customer knows what why they're taking using your product the customer knows why they're not using your product they're the only ones who know so talk to them and that's how you will learn and grow that's it awesome thanks lenel guys please feel free to reach out to lenel on linkedin and let him help you build your mvps let him help you build your growth strategies and all of it so i had a great time look forward to hearing you guys and coming on to the next episode thanks lenel for making it today hope you had a great time thanks ashish it was awesome uh, hoping to catch up with you soon again yeah for sure all right have a great day guys everyone Bye